reported by Major League Baseball yesterday, and uh, John Heyman uh, said that uh, he was leaving. And uh, and I saw a, an MLB.com post about welcome Aaron Judge to, to San the Francisco. Rangers. Oh no! And they showed him in the no. Giants uniform, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, no, they should be glad they got Andrew Heaney now to go alongside yes. uh, uh, Jacob Degrom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, then they went back and they asked the Giants CEO Larry Baird, said, "Hey, congrats, you got him." He goes, "No, there's nothing to report yet." It was John Heyman of the New York Post who had tweeted out that Judge was headed for San Francisco. And then he followed up after that, walking him back, and he said, Giants say they've not heard on Aaron Judge. My apologies for jumping the gun. He jumped the gun. He uh, did. Uh, Judge signed, and it was announced this morning, a nine-year, $360 million deal. Another 300-plus? That's that, that averages out to $40 million a year wow. for him. Nine years, three hundred sixty million to stay in New York with the Yankees. So, uh, well, if you're going to have somebody hit it out at Oracle Park, it needs to be a strong dude. And so, I guess <laughs> I understand why the Giants are going after him. But. Yeah, but uh, he'll be a Yankee. He's going to stay there uh, in New York. Oh, okay. did, oh, yeah. I know. I know. This is kind of another baseball aside, but I can't believe the Phillies got Trey Turner. That's Tell stink. me about that. <laughs> That's stinky. Yeah, yeah, there it is. And he signed a long-term deal Another, with another guy who made $300 million. Yeah, yeah. They're throwing it out like it's candy, you know, those those deals there. Uh, okay, uh, a couple of um, atmospheric things to update you on, Snoop. Uh, remember we were telling you about the volcano on the big island of Hawaii? It's active. Yeah, it's getting a little bit scary down. And, again, I have a sister who lives in Kona. Uh, that's on the uh, western side of the island. It's the eastern side. They're really concerned about where Hilo is, that city. They're because of Mauna Loa that, that now there is lava flow that's now has now creeped within two miles of the one big critical highway, the Daniel Inouye Highway. That's the main highway that connects the eastern and western halves of the big island. So they've called in the National Guard. Lava is less than two miles away from the road. Uh, and so uh, the lava, get this, the lava's moving at 22 miles an hour. That's too fast. That's on a roll. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some concern about that. It would be pushing for a ticket in a school zone. That's, yeah, there you go. Uh, my sister hasn't been really that that concerned about that. Again, she lives on the other side of the island, but she sees uh, the, if I can, can see, see it, it no yeah. way, fam. I, I she can see it. It, 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 it. It's been something else to see. All right, something else you might have been able to see. Nobody, I'm not going to say nobody knew about this. The, the people who were observing this saw this. Did you know that last Sunday that we had an asteroid danger? This uh, The space rock was headed for Earth, and it happened on Sunday, and what they call extremely close Distance. I think it got within six million miles of it, or something like that. Uh, so it was, tra- and it was a hundred and seventy feet wide. Um, meanwhile, they say there's another one they call VP1 that's on its way toward the planet today. And asteroids been spotted by the NASA Defense Coordination Office. They're not concerned about it yet, but uh, you know, keep your eye on the asteroids because. Uh, you know, that's that's possible as well. All right. Um, Snoop is a big TikTok guy. We know that. You're, right. you, you are 
Um, what what is your favorite thing to look for on TikTok? I mean, I know you oh. see a variety of oh, things. Oh no 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 no! I just uh, you just scroll and you get what you get. That's you don't you don't you don't go looking for anything in particular. But just, here was the impression mm-hmm. I was under about TikTok for a long time that it was largely I didn't say exclusively I didn't say only largely dance based. Yeah. A lot a bit, of that trends. It, trends okay, yes. and a lot of trends are dancing. Okay, all right. Do you yourself participate in TikTok? No. You don't? Mm-mm. In any way, shape, or form? No, I'll leave that to the kids. Okay. But you don't you don't I, post anything? I'll facilitate it. I'm like a... You're a watcher. Correct. Oh, yeah. Well, that sounds creepy. <laughs> I am a... I'm a facilitator. I take it. I facilitate it. How would you say you facilitate? By posting, reposting, sharing. So you're a watcher. And no, then, and then I'm you not. Repo- well, you yeah. watch what's going on, and then if there's something worth but reposting. You say it that way, it's going to sound the, weird. You did, I'm, just, I'm just asking. I'm just trying to get your. Uh, Very fine line in covering children, you know. <laughs> yeah. As deep as I do, because I do. I know. It's, it is. <laughs> but yes, I do watch. Okay, well, here's the reason why I bring it up. <laughs> The state of Maryland, Maryland, has banned the use of TikTok and certain China and Russia-based platforms in the state's executive branch of government, according to the governor. Said this yesterday, this is the latest state to address cybersecurity risk presented by that platform. Uh, he announced an emergency cybersecurity directive to prohibit TikTok's use, saying they could be involved in cyber espionage, government surveillance, and surveillance, and inappropriate collection of sensitive personal information. This directive comes a week after South Dakota banned state employees and contractors from accessing uh, accessing TikTok on state-owned devices. That's what this comes down to: state employees who are doing it with state-issued devices. Yeah. So that's why you know, they're doing that. So you know that. Okay, then finally, you don't have any tattoos on your body, do you? I don't. Okay. You can't put a bumper sticker on a Bentley. Look at you. That's what's so So you're driving a Bentley, okay. Oh, yeah. I got you. All right. Um, (laughs) But we both know lots of people who have tattoos. Oh, no, tattoos are awesome. Including my daughters uh, and uh, my son-in-law. Of course, he's military. My brother has them as well. Uh, I've never heard of a tattoo like this and it's probably just as well uh a mom of five brushed off her daughter's advice not to get wait for this her eyeballs tattooed due to potential blindness and um anaya peterson a law student was in awe of australian model amber luke who tattooed her eyeballs a vivid blue and then went blind for three weeks after. So despite Luke getting her vision back, uh, Peterson said, okay, I'm ready to go and do it. She goes, I was just going to get one eye at first because I thought if I go blind, at least I've got the other eye. I should have stuck with that. My daughter told me that I didn't want to do the tattoo asking, what if you go blind? So she did one eye blue and one purple. And now she's losing her eyesight. The actual freaking eye. Yeah. I, I was the picturing- eyeball. Oh, Lord. The eyeball. And she is losing her vision, she says. Uh, she said, my daughter was not on board with this at all. Uh, and uh, she also has a split tongue and numerous tattoos. But inking her eyes might have been a step too far. She wishes she'd listened to her seven-year-old daughter who told her not to do it. 
She said, I don't have 2020 vision anymore from distance. I can't see features on faces. If I didn't have my eyeballs tattooed, I wouldn't be having this problem. Even today, I woke up with more floaters in my eyes, and that is dangerous. That's... So, word of caution. I understand tattoos. A lot of people like that. Um, not for me, but, you know, I'm far older than most people who get tattoos. So, I get, But there's a word of medical health caution to you about Probably a good idea if you don't get your eyeballs okay. tattooed. You know, might look really cool, purple and blue and all that. Might ought to reconsider that part. All right, we've got hour number two of the program coming up, including our sharp review of the Big 12 of the Big 12 Championship and previewing the bowl games coming up. We have a Flex 30. We have a Longhorn Notebook. We'll hear from Chris Beard. All that and more coming up in hour number two of Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Second hour of Life the Tower here on the Horn. Craig Way with you. Jeff Howe making his way back from New York City. And uh, I did promise I would tell you a little bit about the, the little, little uh, the difficulty of getting home last night. It wasn't that big a deal? I mean, it meant for a late night, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't really like inconceivable stuff. Uh, we do have our um, uh, our sharp review of the Big Twelve coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, we will have uh, a Longhorn notebook. We'll hear from uh, Texas head coach Chris Beard following the Longhorns' loss last night. We'll hear from that him on that and uh, we have a flex 30 update as well so we have all that still to come this hour um the uh the the trip last night and this was after uh the longhorns lost that tough uh gut-wrenching hard-breaking whatever you want to call it uh 85-78 overtime game to 17th ranked illinois and if you say well you know what you know how how was it difficult how was it uh you know, uh, gut wrenching, uh, whatever you know that kind of that kind of thing. Um, it's it, it's it's basically in uh, seeing one that got away from them in terms of the grand scheme and uh, what it means in terms of the NCA computer and all that other kind of stuff. It's actually not a real damaging loss. In fact, the fact that you play a nationally ranked team away from home, be it a true neutral site, is a plus in the computer. But it would have been a really big plus had they been able to win the game. Well, Longhorns had an opportunity. In the first half, they really struggled with shooting and did throughout the course of the game, but really in the first half. And uh, they were down 37-34. to 34, And then, you know, as we know, they got the lead in the second half and let it get away. We'll have more on that coming up in our Longhorn Notebook. So the game ends, and um, it's a charter flight back. And the team and the coaching staff and I think training staff were on one bus. There were a couple of buses. The second one had support personnel. It had Eddie Orn and myself. It also had... Uh, some some other folks who had made the trip that were a part of a travel party that were going. So we get on the bus, and it's pouring rain when we go outside. You go outside of the loading dock 
uh, area at Madison Square Garden. Because it's if you've never been to Madison Square Garden, the games themselves take place on the fifth floor. That's right. Five stories up is where the games take place. You go in at ground level and you take this big freight elevator. And it is a huge freight elevator. How huge? It's the one they use to use to bring in the elephants for the circus. When the circus would come from uh, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, you know, for a month, the circus would set up at the garden, and they'd bring the elephants in through that through that freight elevator. So it's a big elevator, and they take whole teams up there and Isn't stuff that like that. Isn't that the left on the floor of it, is it? left? It's happened before, but not around. Oh. I hadn't seen it personally happen, but yeah. Uh, and the garden itself, the garden itself has had a couple of major renovations anyway. So, uh, but when you leave, you have to go back down to the ground level. And it's easier to go down this long, curving ramp than it is to wait on the Zelle. And that's what Eddie and I did. And we go down, and we get down to street level, and we're told the bus that we're on, bus two, is across the street um, because the garden is at the corner of 33rd, I guess between 8th and 9th. And um, we walk out, and it is pouring and i mean heavy rain coming down so all right here we go and we just set off in a sprint across and it was just running about oh i'd say not even 100 yards but you had to go down probably say a, a, a solid 50 yards to get to it and get and by the we get on the bus and we're like drowned rats just soaked but anyway we get on the bus bus leaves the charter flew into Newark Airport. I was not on that charter because I did the Texas women's game on Sunday afternoon. I flew up commercial Sunday night in the JFK and got a rental car and and drove it into the city. Well, um, and and our producer, engineer, a good friend, David Garrett, was returning that rental car this morning as he was flying home commercial. Well, uh, we get on the bus and we find out Newark Airport is unable to handle the charter because of weather things and aircraft and backups and stuff, you're going to have to go to this other airport. So I'm thinking, okay, is it LaGuardia? Is it JFK? Is it even White Plains? Westchester County on the north side up there like you're heading to Connecticut? I've flown in and out of there before. No, 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 no. It's going out of a private airport I never even knew existed. Farmingdale, which is out in the middle of Long Island, or as they say out there, Long Island, and uh, it took over an hour to get there. So by the time we got there, it was well after midnight, and everybody has to go through, and it was the most extensive TSA. When people think charter all, you just go and get on the plane. No, 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 no. They have to follow TSA rules, but they were more stringent than if you were going through regular TSA checkpoints at ABIA. I mean, they're going through every single person's bag, uh, wanting you down, everything. It was, it was pretty – so that took a while. So we took off about, I think, 1 a.m. Eastern and got in about, uh, you know, uh, uh, 4 a.m. or something like that. It took off about 1230 or something like that at Eastern and, and landed about uh, 345 this morning, something like that. So, yeah, that's that's just part of the inconvenience. It happens sometimes. You yeah, that's, to... I didn't even know that, that you would be back. I was like, oh, I don't know Craig's going to be back from New York because I was just listening to you call the game. Yeah, well, it's good when you can have the charter thing to get home, but you also run into things like this. It does happen, and it's not the first time it's happened, uh, but it happens with charter flights, so they do that. So, anyway, that's that was the story behind that. Our man CB on the Specs tax line at 337-3776 is, uh, Craig, on this day, you were on the call 
for two Big 12 championship games, 1996 and 2013. <laughs> Those are two completely different games. Roll left in 96. That was uh, James Brown, Fagan off fourth and short, going to tight end and now head coach of the Lhasa Raptors, Derek Lewis, for 66 yards down the field, setting up for Priest Holmes' game-clinching touchdown to beat Nebraska. 37-27 in the, uh, in the Big 12, the inaugural, I think it was Dr. Pepper, Big 12 championship game at the then Edward Jones Dome. Actually, it might have been TWA Trans World Dome. It was at the time. It did not change to Edward Jones Dome in St. Louis. That's where the first one was back in 96. And then he mentioned 2013. That wasn't a, a scheduled, keyword there, it wasn't a scheduled Big 12 championship game, but it became the de facto Big 12 championship game between Texas and Baylor on that freezing, freezing day in 2013, uh, the final game ever at Floyd Casey Stadium in Waco, the old Baylor Stadium there. And I have called some games where it was unbelievably cold in there. I go back to 1990, I'm doing the 4A state championship when they only had one uh, state championship game per classification, 4A. 4A, Snoop, 1990. How about this matchup? Wilmer Hutchins from the Dallas-Fort Worth area against Westlake. Oh, my gosh. Wilmer Hutchins hadn't been good in very long. Well, correct? remember the school got closed down okay. for a while. They had some malfeasance and, and, some, and some bad doings there and stuff like that. Mm. And it was uh, 10 oh, degrees, sheet of ice on the field that day, and Wilmer Hutchins beat Westlake 19-7 to that day. In a bitterly cold day, did did that game? That is the only time I know of for sure where they presented the state championship trophy, not on the field, but in our broadcast booth. It was a non-televised game. They brought the superintendent, principal in from Wilmer Hutchins, Dr. Bill Farney, uh, then uh, was uh, the executive director of the UI. At the time, he was still the athletic director. Bailey Marshall was still the executive director. And Dr. Farney was the athletic director, and he presented the state championship trophy in our broadcast booth, so we carried it live at the time. That was really cold, but 2013 was just about as cold. Plus, they'd had some snow, and there was ice, and it was, ugh. yeah, that wasn't, wasn't an awful lot of fun. Somebody said, I was at that game at Floyd Casey, and they were giving away free hot chocolate, and by the time it hit the cup, it was already cold. Absolutely. I, I, yeah, it's it's true that one of the best stories I ever heard about a thing like that. My first real broadcast mentor. I've got I've had two major ones in my life. Brad Cham being one of them. But the first one was Bill Mercer, who of course uh, was uh, Cowboys broadcaster in the '60s and did the ice ball game with Green Bay. And he said he'd get a cup of coffee and it would already turn sludgy. By the time you, you could get Bob Lilly tells the story in the hotel, you'd get a cup of water and throw it up against the window, and as it ran down, it froze. It was it, that cold, that miserable, you know, that kind of thing. So, anyway, so there's there's the uh, so the, that's the uh, that's the situation. I remember when we got it. trapped up here for a week when it was miserable. Now, yeah, the winter storm in in uh, in uh, over started on Valentine's weekend of uh, 2021. So. So yeah, it was uh, it was tough the winter storm thing there. Okay, all right. So there's that. How about we uh, give everybody a sharp review of the Big Twelve? Can we do that. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, it's coming. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, obviously, in uh, the sharp review of the Big Twelve, brought to you by Sharp Vision Modern LASIK, official 
LASIK provider to Austin FC and partnered Austin FC. Okay, uh, Big 12 championship game. What a great game. Uh, Kansas State uh, gets the win. Obviously, a lot of folks feel for TCU, but TCU was done no real damage other than not winning a conference championship. Not only did they keep their spot in the top four in the college football playoff, they stayed at number three. So TCU at number three in the college football playoff. More on that in a moment. Now it's on to discussing the bowl games for these teams. All right. The first Big 12 team to see action in the bowl season will be Baylor. And it comes up two weeks from tomorrow is the Bears bowl game. On December 22nd, they're playing in the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. So that'll be in Fort Worth as Baylor will take on Air Force in the Armed Forces Bowl. The next Big 12 team to see action will be Oklahoma State in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. That's the one at at, uh, Chase Field in Phoenix where the Arizona Diamondbacks play. But they play that inside. And Oklahoma State will play Wisconsin. That is... uh, a uh, late night kick, a 9:15 Central Time kick, and that's on that is on uh, Tuesday, December 27th. The next day, Wednesday the 28th, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Kansas in their first bowl game since 2008. Kansas and Arkansas, if you will, Kansas and Arkansas. They play in Memphis at the Liberty Bowl Stadium, which is officially called Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Now, also. After that game, that game kicks off at 4.30 Central Time. The game that follows that, there's a couple. One is the the Holiday Bowl between Oregon and North Carolina. But the other one that will be at 8 o'clock that night will be Texas Tech and Ole Miss in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. That will be at NRG Stadium in Houston. Those games are on the 28th. Then on the 29th, Cheez-It Bowl, Oklahoma and Florida State from Camping World Stadium in Orlando, followed by... The Valero Alamo Bowl, Texas and Washington. That's an 8 o'clock kick in the Alamo Dome. Of course, you'll hear it right here on the horn, and uh, our coverage will begin at 4 o'clock that afternoon. Texas and Washington playing in the Alamo Bowl. And uh, then after that, the next Big 12 team in action, Kansas State, the Big 12 Conference champion, number 9 in the final college football playoff rankings, playing fifth-ranked Alabama in the All-State Sugar Bowl. The first-ever meeting between K-State and Alabama, so they'll do that. And then finally, in the college football playoff, on New Year's Eve, it'll be TCU and Michigan playing in the Fiesta Bowl in Glendale. That'll kick off at 3 in the afternoon. That one's followed by the other semifinal, Georgia and Ohio State in Atlanta. If TCU defeats Michigan, they would then advance to the college football national championship game on Monday, January 9th at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. All right, so there it is, your sharp review of the Big 12. All right. um, I think I remember asking uh, when we did the countdown for the season. Yeah. And I, I think I remember asking you and Jeff what was the scenario that Kansas State could win the Big 12. I'm pretty sure I asked that. And so they came to fruition. I, I would love to know what date that was and listen to what y'all yeah, said. Yeah, well, I, I remember Jeff saying, and, and I agreed <laughs> with him on this, Kansas State is one of those teams 
that is not a sexy pick at the start of the year, and yet they always seem to find their way, at least in the conversation, and they wind up winning the Big 12 championship. Now, TCU was the best team in the Big 12 throughout the course of the whole year, and their you know, uh, 12-1 record shows that, and they were 12-0, and uh, were tops in the regular season, but now the champion is declared in the conference championship game, and yeah, TCU is in the college football playoff, and they have a chance to win a national championship. But Kansas State is the Big 12 champion <laughs> because they because they did beat them in the second matchup. Remember, TCU won the first matchup. K-State had the 28-10 lead in Fort Worth in October. I remember driving from Stillwater, Oklahoma, after the uh, Texas lost to Oklahoma State, back to Oklahoma City, and we're listening to the game on, on radio. And K-State had a 28-10 second quarter lead and then lost both Adrian Martinez and Will Howard, their top two quarterbacks. And TCU rallies back, and they win the ball game. I think, 38-28. And uh, they go on to a 12-0 regular season, and then Kansas State in overtime wins the game last week. So uh, there you are with that. All right, we need a break. When we come back, uh, we will have our Longhorn Notebook and a Flex 30 update when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn. 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Live, local, and digital. A call at 512-255-8678. Tell them Wags sent you. Craig Way and Snoop Daniel light the tower. How about Snoop rolling back with some B-52s for you there? Now, Snoop, it won't be this week, uh, but it will start next week and I will get them to you we're going to start having return cuts holiday style yeah some good stuff there'll be some classic stuff but there'll be some good stuff too that you'll like so my, my favorite B-52 song is Rome I like Rome I like that yeah I like B-52s underrated I, if I do my music survey again maybe I'll put B-52s yeah okay <laughs> uh, alright it is time now for a Longhorn Notebook Longhorn Notebook. A Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. Be sure to check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. See if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that's to help us get that home loan approval turned around just like that. She is the person who can make that 10-day or less home loan approval guarantee. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, just like it sounds. Bowersockteam.com. So, uh, the Longhorns did have those opportunities. Stoner pointed out on the Specs text line, we were talking about that when they were up. As he pointed out, 60-51 with 557 left. There were two separate, as he points them, uh, lack of separation. Uh, well, he said there was the lack of separation in the Creighton game. Turnover, foul, missed shot, missed shot, made shot. Missed shot, missed shot, missed shot, missed shot. 62-59, 2.30 No to anybody's game. But defense and free throw shooting made a difference in how they were able to beat Creighton. Last night, defense was there. Uh, they missed the front end of the one and one but the outside shooting was not there. They had six consecutive possessions before, well, it was on the six when they finally upped an eight-point lead to ten, but they were in a position where they could have blown the game open at that point when they had five straight empty possessions. Now, their defense turned around and got the ball back all five of those times, and on the sixth one, they finally did it. Uh, you know, they were able to get it to a 10-point lead, but I, I thought there was some damage done then because they really could have had complete command, had their foot on the throat of them, and it just did not happen. So uh, it was all part of the conversation we had in the locker room with 
head coach Chris Beard after the game. I know this probably hurts your guys and the, the coaches as well. What, from your perspective, did you see was the difference in how things changed down the stretch and into overtime? Yeah, it's a hurt locker room right now, but it's a long season. We got some veteran players. We Look, November was great to us. We hadn't lost since the Purdue game. So, you know, the last team that went undefeated in college basketball was coached by Coach Knight. I think it was 1976, so I was three. How old were you, Craig? <laughs> no, I was almost embarrassed to tell you I was 15. Yeah. You know, you're not going to win them all, but the disappointing thing from our point of view is this is a game that we had under control, and you got to go win the game. So great learning lessons. We've actually gotten better through victories the first five or six weeks of the season. Now we'll have to try to get better through a night where we ran out of time. But so many ways to kind of cut up a basketball game. But I think, um, you know, shooting. Hey, we make a couple free throws. We feel totally different right now. Or if we make a couple more three-point shots. So, you know, Matthew Mayer goes 5 for 5, and Marcus Carr goes 0 for 5. And they're both great shooters. So this is basketball. Uh, sometimes a shotter here, you know, will be the difference between winning and losing. Is Does that also go to something like, and it may have been a small thing that to the untrained eye they might not have noticed, but I know coaches notice things like this. You were up 8 at 58-50 and had five consecutive empty possessions. They didn't score either, but then, but there was an opportunity certainly to, like you say, had it in the grasp. Those are the kinds of things I guess coaches notice about an opportunity that, that could have put the thing on the shelf even before it got tight. Yeah, really disappointing in those times. Um, we call that winning time. There's a way to go win the game. Sometimes it's on offense, sometimes it's on defense, but I think tonight down the stretch, you know, our offense didn't help our defense, and then our defense didn't help our offense, so some untimely kind of one-pass jump shot possessions. Um, you know, pretty much I think the difference in the game, Illinois gets to the line 31 times, we get to the line 19 times, so, you know, victory's going to favor the more aggressive team. I thought for lots of the game we were more aggressive, but when it mattered most they were. Chris, a class act on your part after the game to take time to say hello to Shannon's parents. I don't know that's he was a big part of your success in Lubbock, but you took the time to say hello to both. Yeah, we got a championship culture, and you know the scoreboard is not going to dictate how we how we act. And so uh, TJ's a guy that I really enjoy coaching, that I pull for. I don't like coaching against former players, but it's the way the game is set up now. But you know, like we're, we're going to be Texas regardless of what the scoreboard says. Final thing here, Chris, how about the timetable for what your guys do here on? finishing this academic week and then you got a ball game on Saturday against Pine Bluff. Yeah, we got a couple guys that are still finishing up some academic stuff, some finals this week and some papers due. We'll get back and take a much needed day off tomorrow, especially physically. I think our team might need a day off mentally as well. Look, it was a grind of a summer putting this team together. November was great to us to get all the way up to one of the highest ranked teams in the country. Now the next challenge is to keep chipping away. Nothing changes. Keep being us. Learn from this and try to get better. You know, we didn't come to Texas to win the second game in December. We came to Texas to win the sixth game in the NCAA tournament, so tonight's a great learning experience for our team. Yeah, tough lessons to be learned, no doubt, uh, but uh, there it is. Uh, that's the uh, the comments of Chris Beard after the game. That's our Longhorn Notebook. Uh, before we get to the Flex 30, I had a quick question. Somebody asking, would TCU be in the 12-team playoff without the automatic qualifier? Yes, is the answer, the way the math would have worked on that. They would have been in uh, regardless of that. And somebody asked, will y'all – have Longhorn Portal update today, who's leaving, who's possibly coming, that, that sort of thing. Listen throughout the course of the rest of the afternoon, Chad and Zay, and then obviously uh, with Ball Don't Lie, uh, with Rod B and with Harge, and they'll, they'll have uh, updates on that as it comes down the uh, path on that. Um, Beba Lance Jason wants you to know, Snoopy says, Snoop, you're a TikTok observer. However, I'm a watcher, a wheel watcher <laughs> monday through friday at 6 30 watches wheel of fortune uh oh, that's a great show uh it's been a classic one for a long long time 
Lord. Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? Uh, Nick in San Angelo says, Long Island is exactly how they say it. You used to give a buddy hell about that all the time. Funny to hear you say it. That's what I used to hear if you say Long Island. Not Long Island. Long Island. You drag the G over that. Long Island is the way that that works. All right. Uh, time now for a Flex 30 update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right. Here's the schedule. And for Snoop's edification, here's what the computer says. <laughs> Uh, we, we of course, announced the finalist for the All-Flex team yesterday, and uh, we will announce the first-ever All-Flex team next Tuesday. So stay tuned for details on that. We announced all the finalists yesterday, and you can check out, if you missed it, you can check out those finalists uh, there at FlexATX.com. What, uh, by the way, one other thing. Somebody asked me... Uh, if uh, if the basketball broadcasts were archived, and they are, if you go to texasports.com and you want to listen back to those, you can listen to those there. Okay, here we go, Snoop. Uh, 6A Division One. I. I always like to play the guessing game with you because you you hit several on these. You've hit on several of these. Um, 6A Division One semifinals. Prosper and Duncanville playing at... Gerald Ford Stadium on the SMU campus. It's Gerald J. Ford, not Gerald R. Ford, the former president. Um, that's it. What's the difference? Well, one is the president, and what did the other one, one was do? not. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> four o'clock in the afternoon, Saturday afternoon, Duncanville Prosper. What does the computer think? Duncanville by thirteen. See, you're pretty good at this. Twelve. Computer says twelve. Oh, okay. You've been pretty good at this. It's a, it's kind of a home game for mm. Duncanville. Yeah, well, it's about equidistant from Prosper coming across there to Dallas. Think about Duncanville coming over into University Park. How do you University get to Prosper? Park. It's straight up Preston Road, okay. man. It's two eighty nine. Okay. It's at about what I would would, would say. It's Preston uh, Highway two eighty nine. It's Preston Road. I would say that's about the two million block of North Preston yeah. Road. Because somebody asked me about Gunner, who was in the state semifinals, and I used to say that's like the six million block. It's straight up forty miles north, straight up. Uh, north of Dallas, straight on Preston Road. In fact, it's called Preston Road in Gunter. And I would say it's like the 6 million and 3 block, you know, the address or something. All right. Westlake North Shore. What does the computer think of Westlake North Shore, Snoop? This I don't know because I know the computer and the AP have, well, the, the computer, AP. The, well, not the AP. The uh, Remember they were flipping North Shore and. And Westlake at one and two at the one point in the season in the rankings. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, they did. They did at the end of the season. Westlake was ranked was, number one in the in the uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine top ten. Westlake by six. Westlake by four. See, you're not far off on these. All right, Division two bracket. Your alma mater, the DeSoto Eagles, against Denton Geyer. They're playing at the Star, the Ford Center in Frisco, at two o'clock on Saturday afternoon. DeSoto and Geyer. Yeah, DeSoto by three. Um, Geyer? Geyer by six. Mm, okay. Geyer something else. Jackson Arnold, the Oklahoma committed quarterback, yes. he's been tremendous 
um, who had to play as a freshman against Westlake. Remember in that state championship game, getting thrown into that deal. Yeah, he yeah he was not ready, but apparently yeah. he was yeah savvy. Now, he, now he's ready. Yeah, he's, he's had a great year. Uh, so Geyer, a six point pick okay. of the computer. All so right, so possession. <clears throat> Vandegrift and Katie, Alamodome, one o'clock, and you'll hear it on one hundred one nine and AM twelve sixty. Coverage beginning at twelve forty five from the booth. Goodness. I mean, me personally, I'm picking Vandegrift. I, I, we know how you feel. We know but that I'm asking you to tell me what the computer thinks. Katie by eight. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Again, you've been within striking distance of all of these picks so far. Uh, it, the DeSoto one, you had your alma mater pick there. But yeah. it, are you rooting for your alma mater this time? They're playing Denton Guy. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> for sure. Yes. All right. All right. Uh, 5A Division One. How about this pedigree matchup? Longview Alito. Oh, my God. Yeah. Alito's first year in 5A D1. Longview, Look. the number one team in the state, wire to wire so far. Longview by 13. Nine. And again, you're kind of in the neighborhood. College Station against Corpus Christi Vets Memorial. If you didn't hear about it, College Station had that unreal ending, kind of like the Vandegrift. Dripping Springs game, but there was not a fumble to go on, but there was a goal line tackle at the field in Pflugerville uh, there at the end of the game to win that contest over Smithson Valley. Stopped them at the goal line, stoned them at the one-yard line. So now College Station, which lost their outstanding running back, Collins, to a knee injury early in the year, yeah, and they've kind of rediscovered themselves, reinvented themselves, playing Corpus Christi Vets Memorial, high-scoring offense, that put on the shelf the final hope for the Rio Grande Valley when they beat Far San Juan Alamo North last Saturday. Oh, College Station by 10. Seven. Okay. Seven off of that. All right. Uh, 5A Division Two. This is the game I'm doing on television. Really looking forward to this. Argyle against South Oak Cliff. Argyle, first season in 5A Division Two. They've been the number one team in the state all the way through. South Oak Cliff. Actually, South Oak Cliff started the season number one, and remember, they started the year 0-3. Correct. Played Duncanville, played DeSoto, barely beat Parrish Episcopal. Came back to beat them, the team that beat LBJ and Alito. Parrish Episcopal, by the way, did win the state championship in private school in the highest division. All right, so Argyle and South Oak Cliff, and uh, they're playing Friday night at the new stadium there in Crowley, just south of Fort Worth, the brand-new stadium there. Sock by six. Sock by five. See, you're Whoa. pretty good at this. All right. Uh, <laughs> Liberty Hill PNG. Port Natchez Groves, which took out LBJ, and then beat Brenham, and then the real stunner knocking out uh, Fort Ben Marshall, the number two team in the state, last week. Liberty Hill, of course, having two running backs knocked out, but now Liberty Hill against Port Natchez Groves, and that uh, contest is in Katy Friday night, oh. 7 o'clock. Are you going over there for that? Yes. Okay. All right. Liberty Hill PNG. I'm like sleep in my car. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Computer says? Gosh. Liberty Hill by three. Two. I'm telling you, you're you're nailing this, dude. All right. uh, We'll go quickly through these. 4A Division I, China Spring, which won the D2 title a year ago. They have Cash McCollum at quarterback. They're playing Decatur who is coached by the former College Station coach, Steve Huff, who they won a state title under a couple of years ago and lost in overtime to Peyto last year. So, Decatur, China Spring, they're playing in Mansfield uh, Friday night. China Spring by 13. 11. Um, Okay. Whoa. Uh, Bernie (laughs) and Chapel Hill High 
of Tyler, uh, the Tyler area. They're playing in the Alamo Dome Friday night. Bernie and Chapel Hill. I feel Chapel Hill is on a mission after getting beat by LBJ last week. So Chapel Hill by four. Bernie by twelve. Whoa! If you hadn't seen Bernie, they're they're. I mean, they they beat Cal Allen by thirty oh. last week. They're real good. All right, I, I, it could be a great state championship matchup between China Spring and Bernie next week. Four A Division Two Carthage, number one in the state, taking on Glen Rose, and uh, they're playing uh, that one. Uh, in uh, Ford Stadium, Frisco, on Friday night. Carthage by 8. 12. All right. And then you've got Wimberley and Cuero. Cuero, Alamo Dome, Friday afternoon at 3. I thought you were going to go to that one. I am. You're going to go to that one, then you're going to drive all the way to Katy? Yes. If you stay for the whole of the China Sprint, I mean, uh, the Wimberley game, you won't make it. Yeah, I'll probably, because it's an hour and 15 minutes. I've mapped it. And so as long as I make the... the Hour 15? Yeah, I think so. No, no, no. It's 200 miles from San Antonio to Houston. Well, you're going to Katy. It's on the west side, so it's a little Mm. less. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Please, Wimberley. Uh, But I'm going to say Quero by two. Four. Quero by four. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, I'll just tell the rest of these because I know we're running Mm -hmm. up on the break. Three A Division one, Malakoff by two over Brock and... Franklin, who won the state title in Division II last year, an eight-point pick over Edna, uh, 3AD2. Gunner, number one team in the state by nine over Canadian. This is the fifth time in the last six years they have played in the semifinals. Uh, And then Poth and Harmony, big Cinderella matchup, Poth by 13. 2A Division I, Holy a four-point choice over Crawford. Refurio, a three-point pick over Timpson, 2AD2. Albany by 11 over New Home. And, hey, Mart and Burton are playing at Kelly Reeves oh. tomorrow night. And, uh, oh, it's Thursday. Uh, yeah. I yeah. can do that. Yeah. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Mart, a 13-point pick over Burton. Uh, all right, that's it. We'll uh, be back to uh, wrap up today's show here on Light the Tower. Attention sports fans, your favorite sports book, BetUS.com, is back for our 28th year of NFL action. Back with the industry's biggest sign-up bonus up to 200%. BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all of your favorite leagues. It's only at Golden Chick. Uh, as we wrap it up, Joe number two said it's 117 miles from Quero to Katy Snow, about two hour drive. Joe, the game's not in Quero. It's in the Alamo Dome. It's in San Antonio. So that's different. We're talking 200 miles there. So Snoop will figure it out. He'll manage the clock on that. Jeff will be back tomorrow. I'll be here as well. We'll visit with Vandegrift Vipers head coach Drew Sanders. Uh, we'll do that, get you set for the weekend, which again, there will be a high school football playoff game tomorrow night in this area. Up there at Kelly Reeves there, the Palace on Palmer. Four man behind the glass, Snoop Daniel and our thanks to Westlake Chaparral's head coach, Tony Salazar, for joining us in studio. I'm Craig Way, inviting you to stay tuned. Chad and Zay are up next. We'll visit with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock here on Light the Tower. For some, it's grilling, two-stepping, or patio sipping. At Premier Glass Austin, their passion is creating beautiful, expertly crafted, frameless glass.